the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God has provided two resources for the believer in these difficult days. In the survival kit, two resources to keep you from falling into error. Anyone can fall into error. You can fall into error. I can fall into error. I know of men who started off well, men who some may be genuine believers, but they have gone into error. And we need to take heed to what the apostle is saying here because God has provided two resources to keep us from falling into error. God thinks of everything, doesn't he? He's even given each of us a resource kit to help us stay true to him. We'll discuss the two parts of that kit today on Verse by Verse. Welcome. Our teacher here on Verse by Verse is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying 2 Timothy chapter 3 and how to survive in difficult times. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul said that in the last days difficult times would come. Well, the last days are synonymous with the church age. In other words, right now. Difficult times for the church began when the church was born. And the difficulties continue to this very day. Pastor Steve has already covered the warnings Paul gave about the false teachers and other troublemakers who would infiltrate the church. And we've spent some time considering the first part of the resource kit God has given us, godly mentors and leaders. Let's spend a little time reviewing that subject before we move on to the other component of the resource kit, God's written word. Here's Pastor Steve. I'd like you to open your Bibles, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. As we complete our little mini-series, Surviving in Difficult Times, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 to the end of this this, uh, chapter, which is verse 17, but starting at verse 10, but you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, suffering, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of all of them the Lord delivered me, and indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learnt and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus." All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. One of the men that I have most admired in my Christian life has been William Colbertson. Dr. Colbertson was one of the presidents of Moody Bible Institute. He died just before I was a student at Moody, but I've had the privilege of reading his biography, and I have I must have read it at least three, maybe four times. And one of the statements in his biography that has gripped my heart over the years is the statement that he made uh, to this effect. He said, you know, lots of people start out well, but very few end well. He said, Lord, I want to end well. He did end well. His last words 
before the Lord took him home were, yes, yes, God. It's a man of God. He ended well. And that is a biblical perspective to end well. Anybody can begin well, but not many people end well. But in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, the Apostle Paul said it was his desire to end well. He said in verse 24, But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. There were people coming to Paul and they were saying, look, you don't want to go to Jerusalem. You don't want to go there. The Holy Spirit says and predicts that if you go there, you're going to be in chains. You're going to be bound. You're going to have troubles. And Paul said, the only thing that really matters is that I finish the course well, that I run the race. In fact, just before he died, knowing that death was really imminent, he said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. What Paul said years before became a reality as he was able to end well. And Paul knew the heartache, the deep heartache, of seeing people who didn't finish well, people who may have started well, people who may have had good intentions to begin with, but somehow they didn't finish well. They never persevered. They never plotted ahead. They departed from either the truth or fighting for the truth, and they just gave up. He writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 17, he speaks of two men, Hymenaeus and Philetus. He says in verse 18, these are men who have gone astray from the truth. Now, they may have started well. They may have looked good, but they weren't good. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, he speaks of enduring all things for the sake of those who are chosen, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. And he speaks of his own desire to, to suffer hardship and endure and so forth. He writes later in 2 Timothy, he writes, Demas hath forsaken me. Why? Because he loved this present world. He didn't finish well. Whether Demas ever got back on track, we don't know. But at that point in his life, it didn't look like he would finish well. And you could say that as Paul writes 2 Timothy, his real attention is riveted on encouraging young Timothy to finish well, to not forsake the truth, to continue in the faith, to just plot ahead, to be like the snail that uh, Spurgeon once said, by perseverance, the snail made it to the ark. He wanted Timothy to be like that. You see, Timothy was surrounded by false teachers, and Timothy was surrounded by people who wanted to pull him away from the truth, and disobedient believers, and people who were heretics, and, and because of his own personality and temperament, he obviously was struggling with, uh, with all these things going on, and he was prone to be discouraged and uh, perhaps even be depressed. He's a very sensitive young man, and Paul probably was a lot uh, thicker skinned than Timothy, and so Paul is very concerned about him. And when you come to chapter 3 of this letter, Paul devotes his entire message to calling Timothy to continue in the truth, continue in the faith. You could really put that as a t heading over chapter 3, continue in the gospel. I call it surviving in difficult times because in verse 1 he speaks about in the last days difficult times will come. Really, chapter 3 is a survival kit. It's a spiritual survival kit for us because it tells us how to survive in a hostile church 
environment. Not meaning just the local church, but meaning the church as a whole. And Paul gives four truths in this chapter. Actually, three truths we need to know how to survive and not be swept away by error. There are three key truths we need to know if we are to survive. First of all, we need to know the permanency of these days. He says in verse 1, in the last days, difficult times will come. Realize this, Timothy, so that you don't just think I'll wait around until it passes. You need to get involved in the action. So the days are permanent. It's the whole church age. Secondly, he speaks of the problem of these days. And from verses 2 through 9, he deals that he deals with people. He just speaks about people because that's the problem. The problem is self-centered, self-lovers rather than lovers of God. People who are stuck on themselves, they are religious people, some of them. And uh, they target others as victims, unstable people. And so we, as he says in verse 5, are to avoid such men as these. But then he speaks of the provisions that God gives us. And this is very important, and we want to focus on this. God has provided two resources for the believer in these difficult days. In the survival kit comes two resources to keep you from falling into error. Anyone can fall into error. You can fall into error. I can fall into error. I know of men who started off well, men who... Uh, uh, some may be genuine believers, but they have they have gone into error. And we need to take heed to what the apostle is saying here, because God has provided two resources to keep us from falling into error. Number one, the first provision is is the um, models of true godly leadership. You have to have men and women you're accountable to who have been your mentors. He says in verse 10, but you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecution, sufferings, and so forth. Timothy, you have followed me. You have had me as an example. And how do you know that I'm trustworthy? How do you know what I've taught you is right? Because you have seen my lifestyle. You have seen me live these things out. I wouldn't live something out if I didn't believe it. Secondly, Timothy, you have seen that I'm willing to die for it. I wouldn't suffer for something if I didn't believe it was true. And then he says in verse 12, just reiterating this, and indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's not just a statement of fact, though it is, but that is a call for Timothy to look at Paul and say, you must be a man of God. You must be one who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus because you are suffering persecution. And why is he suffering persecution? Because verse 13 says, but evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. They'll get worse. So men and women of God are going to uh, suffer the results of that. Now, we want to focus on the second provision to survive these days. In addition to godly examples, godly models, and holy people is God's holy word. And that's what we want to focus on. Very important. And so we begin really looking at verse 14. He writes this. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. What a statement. You continue in the things you've learned to become convinced of. In other words, evil men are going to advance and progress in evil. Pick up the thought from verse 13. Evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse. And it means they're going to advance in evil. They're going to make progress in evil. But you, Timothy, are to continue in sound doctrine. They're going to continue in evil. In fact, they're going to go and, and progress in it. But you are to remain. You really don't progress. You remain. You don't move from this point. You are to stay right there where I left you, and you are to grow deeper into the truths of the Word of God. In contrast to false teachers who will move more and more into evil, Timothy, you are to remain in the truth. That is very important. 
Remain in the truth. The things you have learned to become convinced of. That What he's referring to is the truth, uh, true doctrine, sound doctrine that's based on God's word. That's the things that he's learned and the things that he has become convinced of. The word remain or continue means to abide, remain, continue. Just just do what you have been doing. Don't move from here. Be steadfast. Timothy has learned these truths and he's gone he's gone beyond merely learning them. Notice what verse 14 says. He has become convinced of them. Do you know how important that is? Timothy knows that they're true. There are a lot of Christians who've learned doctrine, but they're not convinced of them. They don't have convictions, and it is not enough to learn the truth. You must internalize it. You must not be a cliche-oriented Christian. You must not be one who simply says, yeah, I I guess I believe it. There has got to be the internalization of the Word of God so that it becomes a conviction in your own heart. There are enough Christians running around who just believe what they believe. Why? Because they believe it, but they have no conviction about it. And when when push comes to shove, they'll compromise. They'll compromise. When they're put in a situation in which uh, uh, they have to make a decision, they will compromise because they don't have conviction. Paul is speaking here about Timothy having convictions. Timothy doesn't just know the truth, he has convictions. Do you have convictions? Do you know the Word of God well enough and are so committed to it that you have a conviction, not just about its theology, but that you must obey it, that it is truth, and even if it costs you your life, you would die rather than renounce it? Timothy's learned things but he has convictions. He doesn't have doubts about these things. He knows that they're true. Now, God has provided his word for our survival, but unless we continue in it, we're sunk. Unless you remain in the word of God, there is a hostile world out there, and there is a hostile world even within what we call Christendom, and you're sunk. You're going to depart from the faith unless you remain in the faith and in the truth. And that's what Paul is going to focus on. Why should you remain in the truth? How do you know it's true? Why should you have convictions about these things? What is it that causes a person to remain in the truths of sound doctrine? Why is it that from a human perspective, what is it, I should say, from a human perspective that keeps you from drifting into heresy? Now, I understand the sovereignty of God, and I understand the, the mighty working of the Spirit of God in this, in this uh, situation, but from a human perspective, what is it that keeps us from renouncing the truth? That's a very critical question. We're exposed all the time to error. Why don't you just move into error? Why, do, why don't I just move into error? It's around us all the time. Not just in a church. You just have to turn on television. You just have to read a magazine. You just have to go to work and hear people. What is it that keeps us from running after error? So you've been taught sound doctrine. Why do you stay in that sound doctrine? You see, if Paul is going to say, remain in this, you've got to say, Why? And Paul's going to give Timothy some reasons why he must not move from. Remember, Timothy is surrounded in a, by a hostile environment. Let me put it this way. Some of you were raised in Christian homes. You were taught the truth from as long as you can remember. How do you know you were taught the truth? I don't want to put doubts in your mind. I just want you to think a little bit. How do you know that you were taught the truth? How do you know that you haven't been lied to? You haven't been deceived? How do you know? Maybe the cults are right. This tape better not click off at this moment or else we've got problems. The question is, how do you know? Why should you remain in the truth? Well, Paul gives two reasons why Timothy and every believer, for that matter, should remain and abide in what he's already learned and is convinced of. And this is so rich. Two reasons. The first reason is found in the end of verse 14. 
knowing, continue in these things, the things you've learned to become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Knowing from whom you've learned them. The first reason that you and I should continue in the truth is the trustworthy character of those who have taught us. The trustworthy character of those who have taught us. That is to say that the teaching is guaranteed by the life of the teacher. That's very important. Who taught you? you trust them? Would they mislead you? Who taught Timothy? Well, I'm sure we could say many of his teachers. And by the way, we have to say in verse 14, it's plural. The, um, the pronoun there, whom, is in the plural. Sometimes in some manuscripts, it says who. And so some translate this uh, to mean and interpret it to mean singular, like one person taught him. But the oldest manuscripts uh, say whom. So I take it that he's referring to plural, a plurality of teachers. Who taught Timothy? Probably a lot of people, but the, the three prominent people who taught him, well, let's look at it rather than me telling you. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that it's in you as well. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy's first teachers, and I might say most uh, uh, prominent teachers, were his grandmother, godly woman, and the godly mother, Eunice, that the Lord gave him. These, these were his first instructors. But it didn't stop there. The apostle Paul became his instructor, Right? Chapter 1, verse 13 of this epistle, Paul writes, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me. Chapter 3, verse 10, But you followed my teaching. So Paul came along later in Timothy's life, and he picked up where Lois and Eunice left off. The excellent character of a teacher means everything. Who taught you means everything. Their consistent, godly lifestyle is what helps a student to continue in the faith. you know why? Because if you look around at the false teachers and you see their self-centered living, why would you believe what they have to teach? You see the end product. The godliness of those who taught you verifies that what they taught you works in their lives. It's tr- it produces godliness. It makes them more like Christ. Why would you follow a false teacher if, if you go back to verse 2 and Paul says, for men will be lovers of self. And then he lists a whole lot a whole lot of the um, characteristics that show up in a person who loves self. Why would you follow a, a cultic leader, a leader of a false religious system, when you just had to look at his lifestyle or her lifestyle and see that they couldn't possibly be teaching the truth that this is what it produces? You look at the godliness of those who have taught you. That means you've got to make sure that your teachers are godly. You've got to make sure that those you listen to are godly. Very important. That's what keeps a student continuing in the faith. And I might say this, if you're a teacher of God's word, it's not just for your own sake that you walk with the Lord, it's for the sake of your students. At any level, whether it's your family, whether it's teaching a Sunday school class, whether you're discipling somebody, at any level, you must be godly if you really want to have an impact on your pupils. They ought to be able to look at you and say, I know what you've taught me is reliable because I know your character and I know you wouldn't mislead me and I see the evidence of godliness in your own life. It must be true. I will continue in this. That's why it's so devastating when a Christian leader uh, has some moral misconduct in his life. 
Because people have to begin to wonder, those who, who were taught by him or her, I wonder if it's true. I mean, look at look where they ended up. Maybe it can't sustain me. Maybe what he taught me about holy living isn't true. Because it's not obviously it's not working in his life. You see, that's some of the thinking that we have to go through. And I think where this is particularly significant is in Christian homes. Parents, you have the opportunity to build conviction into your children. Not just to teach them, but to build conviction into your children by teaching them the truth and living it before them. I believe that's what gives conviction when a child is, is brought up in a Christian home. His parents teach him the truth, and then they don't compromise. If you want to destroy conviction, teach the truth and don't live by it. Teach him that uh, Romans 13 says, obey the law, and then let's see you break the law. You'll never build conviction in that child's life. Never. But if they see and hear you teach the truth, and then they see mom and dad live out the truth, or even mom if she's the only one in the family who knows the Lord, or even dad if he's the only one in the family who knows the Lord, as long as they see a desire to live godly, there ought to be conviction in their life about that. And that's obviously what Timothy's grandmother and mother did. They taught him the truth. They instructed him. And how wonderful that is. Do you know in, a, in an ancient Jewish home, in an ancient Jewish home, when a child was five years of age, it was the parents' responsibility, and they did this, they instructed their children in the word of God. Five years of age. And, and before that, as soon as the child could talk, they had him memorizing scripture. The Jews claim this, that their children learned the law even from the swaddling clothes and drank it in with their mother's milk. They said that God's law was so imprinted on the heart and mind of a Jewish child that he would sooner forget his own name than he would forget the law. And if I'm not mistaken, when a child first took in the word of God, I, I believe that they gave actually a little taste of honey to remind him that the word of God was sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Marvelous truth. Parents, do not depend on Sunday school teachers to teach your child. Do not depend on a Christian school to teach your child. They're only there to reinforce what the child should be getting at home. And I have found that most children coming out of Christian homes don't know the Word of God. They may know Bible stories, but they don't know the Word of God. The ancient Jews understood how to teach and how to build conviction into their children's lives. That's why they raised people who were zealous. They may have not had knowledge, Paul says in Romans chapter 10, but they were zealous. They may have been off, but at least they were dogmatic. At least they had convictions. You see, a child trusts his parents. At first, he'll believe everything. First, a child will believe everything that a parent says. But after a while, he's going to want to examine the parent's life and see if his teaching matches up with his lifestyle. And if he sees that uh, it does, then you usually have conviction. He embraces it, and he won't leave it. One of the saddest things I see in the church is the number of young people who grow up in the church and participate fully, seemingly committed to Christ, and then leave the faith when that faith is challenged by their college professors and friends. They've been fed information, and they believe the information, but they don't know why it's reliable. They don't know why they believe what they believe. And so, they have no defense against false teachings. The church and the parents have to do more than teach Bible stories to their children. We need to equip them. Thanks for tuning in today to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're looking for a good Bible teaching church in the Clearwater area, why not stop in some Sunday? The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. 
And the phone number is 727-441-1714. You can also find out more about Lakeside at lakesidechapel.com. Once more, that's lakesidechapel.com or 727-441-1714. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry of Lakeside. If you're already giving to help us keep producing and airing these daily broadcasts, we are grateful for your help. If you've been blessed listening to Verse by Verse but are not yet a part of our support team, would you prayerfully consider what the Lord would have you do to help support Verse by Verse? We have giving information on the giving page at our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Whether you can give financially or not, we always appreciate your prayers. While you're there, hop over to the Message Archive page and browse the hundreds of previous broadcasts available for free streaming or downloading. This is Jerry Peterson. I read that when David Livingstone began his trek across Africa, he had 73 books that weighed a total of 180 pounds. Eventually, because of the difficulty in carrying that weight through the jungle, the books dwindled to the point where he had just one book left, the Bible. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. But that's not the whole sentence or the whole thought. Paul went on to give the purpose of that training and correction. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will share with us why the Bible is such an important tool in surviving difficult times. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.